Are you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10? Have you ever had somebody that you were mad at and you're going to let them know that you were mad at them and you wait out in your mind, you played it in your mind exactly what you're going to say to them? Has anybody else ever done that? I, I confess my faults to you. We confess them one to another. So all the rest of you are perfect in this area. You've never, you've never done that. You're sitting in church, remember. Remember you're in church. You know, what you're doing is you're considering what you're going to do. You're thinking about what you're going to do. You're thinking about what you're going to say. Listen to what it says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. It doesn't say let us consider how we can tell each other off and rip into each other. That's not what it says, is it? Let us consider. Think about this. You know, I'm, I'm, how can I stir my friends up to love and good works? How can I reach out to my friend and reach out to my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? And how can I encourage them to love and good works? They're upset about something. They're mad at somebody. They're not in ministry. They're not doing the right thing. How can, I, how can I stir them up? The Bible says, consider how you're going to do that. Think about that. Think about how you can get that done. Not neglecting the meet, to, meet, to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is what we're supposed to be doing as a people with one another. Father, anoint your word tonight. Stir it in us. Let it not only convict us, Father, tonight. Let it encourage us tonight. And, and Father, let it get down into the DNA of who we are that we would literally do what your word tells us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We began to talk last week about how a church becomes a light in a community. And, and I gave the picture that I saw in a, in a prayer time one night of the church being this pulsating light that got brighter and bigger with each pulse until eventually lights were flowing out of it and touching other places and lights were being birthed there and, and pulsating and bringing the light of Christ to people. I encourage you, as you read your Bible, look at how many times we're called to be the light where the Word of God is called the light, where Jesus is called the light. This aspect that we live in darkness and we are to shine like stars in the darkness. And let's consider how do we do that? How do we stir one another up to be there and to be that kind of people? Right now we're encouraging you to uh, make sure you develop this habit of reading the Word. Reading the Word with a hunger for righteousness. With a hunger to discover something new. Knowing that the Word of God 
feeds us and strengthens us and builds faith in us and that we are weaker when we neglect it. We are stronger when we pursue it. We are healthier when we pursue the Word of God and when we read the Word of God. Reading the Word of God is unlike reading any other book. When you read another book, it's just a book. But when you read the Word of God, it is a living Word. It is the Word of God to us as clearly as if He stood before you, manifest His presence before you, and spoke to you. He's given us His Word so we can know what His will is and know what His desires are and know how we should live our life and know how to be balanced in life. And I would remind you, the Bible is all about bringing balance in our understanding. So you can't just take one verse of the Bible and go build a doctrine off of it. You've got to take the entirety of Scripture and understand what the Scripture is saying about that issue. But as you read the Word, it begins, you be, it, the revelation gets deeper every time you read it as you read it and study it, and it pours life into us. And I, I guarantee you this is what happens to you. It's what happens to me anyway. There are times when somebody will say something, ask me a question, and I'll give them an answer. And I'm, in the back of my head, I'm wondering, where in the world did that come from? Well, where did it come? It comes because God inspires it through his word at the right moment. He brings it to us at the right moment. So we're encouraging you, if you're not daily reading the word, to get signed up and to, and to make a commitment and starting next, you know, week from this next Monday, start reading the Word of God with us every day. Hearing preaching and teaching is not like any other speech. In, in, in teaching and, and speeches, you hear something that may inspire you a little bit. But when a gifted teacher or preacher is, is sharing, the Word of God is flowing through that, through that, and in our ears, there's an anointing that comes that penetrates darkness. When I'm open to the Word of God, it'll penetrate dark. It'll bring conviction where I need conviction. It'll bring revelation where I need revelation. The, the, the person who's got that anointing, it'll bring anointing and power and strength into a life where they need strength. Some of you are sitting here tonight born again, the first time you went to church, you had no intention of ever going back. You had no intention of ever becoming a Christian, ever becoming a follower of Christ in that sense. And you heard the Word of God, and it brought conviction. It brought conviction. It began to do a work in you. Somebody shared a testimony with some of you, and it began to do a work in you. And that seed got in you and began to do something. It's the confidence we have when we speak the Word of God and when we preach and teach the Word of God that God is going to do His work in it and it's going to go for transformation. The best church isn't the one that entertains us the best. The best church is the one that brings conviction to us so we become transformed the best. Amen? That we're hungry for that, that to become more like Christ. So, there's this, this purpose of, of 
being in the house of God, being in God's house with believers is not like any other gathering. It's a deep purpose of fulfilling God's calling and discovering God's purpose in our life. And we're supposed to build connection. That's what I'm going to talk about here in the next few moments. And we have a purpose to join our giftings together. The church is supposed to be a place where we join our giftings together for the common good of the people who come and for the common good of that community. It's not just a place where we're supposed to come and once a week hear a message and go out. Now, I know I'm preaching the choir. You're here on, you're here on a Wednesday night. But there's a purpose in all, in all of this. The gathering of believers is supposed to be an interactive experience and teaching and preaching is supposed to happen, yes. Serving others is supposed to happen, yes. But the church is supposed to be this place where we grow together. Now, if we're going to be that pulsating light, let me, let me share this with you. There, there, has to, there becomes a, a very subtle change. When a person first comes uh, to the church, they say, hey, I'm visiting Calvary and you know, what's your church about? You know, what are you guys about? If they're really looking for a church, they're not looking for a church. They're like, what's this place about? You know, they're just kind of curious maybe. The subtle transition moves, and I listen to this when, when people talk to me. I listen for these terms. What are you guys doing? What's your church all about? What are, when it moves to, what's my church going to do about this? This is our church. It's a very subtle change when you begin to see the church as your church, as your place. It's the difference between some ownership and lack of ownership. Jesus talks about, about some of this this way. He talks about the good shepherd and the hireling shepherd. The hireling shepherd, he, he wants to get paid. He wants to do the, he wants to get, he has a job. But when the, when the enemy comes and starts to devour the sheep, the hireling shepherd is off to the hills. He's going to find another church. He's taking off someplace else because it's too dangerous. But the real shepherd, the one who really has ownership, fights for the sheep, fights for the work. The church, at some point, the church has to become your church. And what happens then, it has to become important to you and commitment to it to see the end of God's purpose happen has to become important to you. And for God's will to be done has to be something that you're saying, I want to make sure God's will's done because I'm a part of this. This is where God has planted me and we're going to make a difference in people's lives together. Amen? Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering for that. So, uh, what can you do? I'm just going to give you a couple practical things you can do. One, if somebody, if you, if you notice Sunday, somebody's missing. Your friend of yours, they aren't here Sunday. Give them a call. Hey, Jim, I just noticed, missed you today. Man, I, I love it when you're there. Uh, why? You're, what, what are we doing? Considering how to encourage one another to love and good works. 
Hey, are, are you okay? Is everything going all right? Oh, you're traveling? I hope, hope you're safe. Pray you'll be safe. Be back with us soon. But I just wanted you to know, I miss you today. I mean, think about it this way. If you went, if, if you had a, a, a family reunion of some sort at your house and all the kids are supposed to be there and one of them doesn't show up that you thought were going to be there, do you ignore it? Or do you call them and say, hey, are you okay? What's happening? We're getting ready, getting ready to eat. You going to make it? It's, it's an action of concern. And when a church begins to function with each other in an action of concern, when life group members, life group leaders begin to pay attention on Sunday morning, they say, you know what? I didn't see Sally today. We ought to call Sally and see what's going on. Encourage her. Sometimes in the middle of that, you stumble into a need that you have the opportunity to really minister to. It's when the church really becomes a healthy place when we begin to say, we love each other and we care about each other and we're going to minister to each other and we're going to encourage each other and we're going to reach out to each other. Men, I would encourage you, come to the Forge meeting and invite young men to come with you. Invite 20-somethings and 30-somethings that are young married men or young single men trying to trying to get started in life and encourage them to come with you. Build relationship with them so that you have the opportunity to become somebody who can speak into their life a little bit and tell them about the places where you wish you could go back and do things better so they can do things better. Share your life with people. Look around and just let God, God use you and say, hey, what, what young guy is not coming to this? I should get them to come. I'm going to call and have them come sit with me and, 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 and hang out. Ladies, do the same thing with, with young women. Bridge the gaps of generations. Bridge those things. Look for young men and young women that you can reach out to. And you say, well, what if they, what if they say no? Or what if they think I'm weird coming? Then go to the next one. You know, just, don't, just be it. Just keep, keep talking. Keep encouraging. And God's going to lead you into people's lives that you're going to make a big difference in. So, so get involved and, and invite. Here's the next, next thing I tell you. Be willing to challenge them. Uh, be willing to, to, to look at the people around you and encourage them to love and good works. Be willing to look at them and without saying, hey, you know, I happened to peek over at you the other day and worship was going on and, wow, you were You were lost. Uh, be willing to say, hey, what does worship mean to you? Hey, what does giving mean to you? Hey, what does holiness mean to you? Be willing to talk to each other about the things that, what does holiness mean to you? What does the scripture mean to you? What does faithfulness to church mean to you? Be willing. You want, you want our church to begin to pulsate with light? Then we've got to talk to each other and learn how to love and to encourage each other to love and good works. So when they come in and they're, they're upset about what somebody said to them, how do we encourage them to love and say, well, you did get treated wrong. That's terrible. We should, we should go do something bad. To them. No. 
how can we encourage them to love and good works? How can we encourage them to that? How can we encourage them to talk the right way, to, to be the right people, to have the right spirit about them? This becomes, when it becomes our church, this becomes our responsibility. I've had people tell me over the years, hey, I was with this group, and man, they were really gossiping. What are you going to do about that? And, and my response was, what did you do about it? I wasn't there. Do you think they would have done that if I, oh, they wouldn't have done that if you were there. You know why? They wouldn't have done that while I was there. You know why they wouldn't do that when my dad was there? You know why they wouldn't do that with, these, with the elders there? They wouldn't do that with those people there because somebody would say something. If you want to be a leader in moments when something is not going right, you've got to redirect it. You've got to look at the other people in the church as your family, and if somebody was talking nasty about your family, what are you going to do? Hey, don't say that in front of me. That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my mom. That's my dad. I'm not putting up with that. going to be trouble. We've got to, you've got to be willing, if you want to be a leader, to push things in the kingdom of God, to push things the right way. The conversation gets off course, if it gets off color, if it gets off, off someplace that's not, somebody's got to be willing to go, time out. What are we talking about here? What's going on? You went and saw what? You went where? You did what? Hey, how do you think Jesus feels about that? Oh, you're just getting super religious on me. Sure am. Yes, sir. Why is that an insult? You're getting super spiritual on me. Why is that an insult? Isn't that a compliment? I just want to encourage it, it, for, the, for a church to be healthy. At the core of that church has to be this group of people, this ever-increasing group of people who say and do the right things and encourage others to say and do the right things that the, the evil things that the enemy would suck us into, it's just not allowed around them. It's just not allowed. You're, not, you're just not allowed to talk about leaders like that around me. You're not allowed to talk to my, about my brothers and sisters like that around me. You're not allowed to come around me and, and, and talk about doing things you shouldn't be doing. I'm going to say something. I'm going to love you. I'm not going to be mad at you. But I'm going to say, time out, brother. That, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I think that's a bad idea. Is this good? Now, the, the, the question is, are you willing to pick up that mantle as a leader, as a spiritually called person, and say, I'm going to protect what God's given me. I'm going to push things the right direction. Now, let me encourage you in a couple of other things. And I've got, I, I literally have 24 points tonight, so I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. That's really the truth. So I'm going to see how far I get, and we'll come back next week. Uh, one of the most important things you can do is teach yourself, learn to be friendly. Here's the tendency. The tendency is we get comfortable. And, and comfort zones can suck us into places that are there. I'll talk about a couple of them in, in the next few weeks. 
into places where life doesn't happen. So here's what we do. We come in on Sunday morning, and if we get there early, which I would tell you, you should. You should come. Church starting time isn't at 9 o'clock and 10.30. It's really, you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes before that. That's when the church is really starting. Because people are coming in, and this is when you get a chance to talk. I talk to staff all the time about the fact that prime time for us is the 10 minutes right before church starts, the 10 minutes right after it ends. That's when most people who are fairly new are coming and going. And and we don't need to be standing around talking to each other. We don't need to be figuring out things for service. We need to be talking to people. That's what we need to be doing. We don't get another chance to do that. We got all week to prepare stuff for service. We got 10 minutes before service starts to talk to people who are new to our church. Is that right? So I, I want to create the, the comfort zone that we get into is we come in and we have our three buddies, our four friends, and we go over and we stand around and talk to them. And while we're standing around talking to them, guess what's happening? New people, people who are just coming to our church, are walking right past you. Is it wrong to talk to my three buddies? No, that's why you get there 20 minutes early. But at some point in time, you've got to say, hey guys, let's go, let's go look for somebody we don't know. Let's go talk to some other people. Let's reach out to some teenagers and, and try to break that barrier. Let's, let's, let's Let's pick one or two and just be friendly with them every week until they stop freaking out that old people are talking to them. <laughs> I mean, you remember when you were a teenager, don't you? And everybody that's 30 years old, older was old. You know, that, that's, that's, that's just the life. How do I break that barrier? How do we get past that? How do we reach out to somebody? So the call for us to be friendly to people, this is the first step for, for, for people to come in get connected, and really allow God to move in their life is that they come in and they find a people who are friendly. So I just want to challenge you every week. Don't, don't, when you come to church, come with this thought of, well, I wonder who I can meet today. I wonder who I can talk to today. I wonder if there's somebody coming in the doors that, you know, I can befriend today. That I can be. You know, I was with Dale today. I'm going to tell you a story, Dale. Dale's telling me, 33 years ago, am I got the number right? 33 years ago, he got a job here in town. He had, Fiat Alice had closed down. He got a job. He had gone to a, a, a women's event where they invited the men and sat down with the men, and they were just being friendly. And in the course of the conversation, he came up, you know, Fiat just closed down. I lost my job. I'm looking for a job. And he looked and he said, well, we've got some job. We have a job open. And 33 years later, Dale's still working there. You never know what God's going to do in the middle of a conversation. Amen? I mean, that blessed me so much there when he told me that story. You just never know if you're friendly and you meet people and you're kind. You just never know what God's going to do in the middle of a conversation. Well, how God's going to put you in just the right place to be a blessing to somebody or for, for somebody to be a blessing to you. Here's the second part of this. One of the things we do as a staff is, is, is we meet before church and pray. And one of the constant prayers I pray in that moment is, God, 
Help us to be sensitive today to the leading of your spirit. And I'm not talking about what's going to happen in church service. We want to be sensitive to leading the spirit in church service. But God, if there's somebody that needs encouraged today, don't let us miss them when they come in the door. Don't let them come sit in our cafe and be smiling and talking to everybody or come and sit in the chair in the sanctuary and us not see it. Let us be sensitive. And, and I'll tell you, that there have been times when, uh, when, when I have uh, been at church on a Sunday morning and I'd see somebody and there's just that moment when God just kind of, out of the crowd, they just kind of stand out for some reason. And there have been times when I didn't follow that leading of the Spirit and four or five days later I'd hear what was going on in their life and I'd think, mm. Spirit told me to go talk to them. I could have encouraged them Sunday. And I missed it. I missed it. There's been other times I've gone up to somebody and spoke to them and just say, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to come over and tell you it's good to see you. Hey, are you having a good week? Yeah, yeah, I'm having a good week. Okay, I just want you to know, you know we love you. And, and are you doing all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. And, and um, three months later, they call me. They called me and said, hey, you know that day you came over and talked to me? Do you remember that? And you're trying to go back in your mind over three months of Sundays. And maybe you remember talking to them that particular time. Maybe you don't say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it happened. I'm, yeah. Hey, you, you don't know. I was going through hell on earth at that day. And you coming over and just telling me you love me made the difference. So sometimes, and sometimes people just pour their life story out to you in a moment. This has been the worst week of my life. And you know what? That's okay. So here's what I'm saying. As you come in, be friendly to new people and let the Lord come in with this thought. God, who do you want me to serve today? Be spirit-led as you walk in. And if you see somebody and for some reason you just find yourself spotting them in the crowd, let the Lord lead you. Let the Spirit tell you. You think the devil's telling you to go over and be friendly to him? No, just go, you don't have to go and say, the Lord pointed you out. You must be going through something terrible. No, just go over and be friendly and let God take care of it, right? If somebody does that to you Sunday, just be thankful they're trying. Amen? Hey, good for you. Keep it up. Let us learn how to be spirit-led people. We, we make this big thing out of being spirit-led people. I'm telling you, this is where it gets really practical is when God can whisper something in your ear and you go do it. And you don't even always know the outcome. But that's part of, part of making the church. That way when people come in, uh, they, they come in, they can be encouraged. That's why we say come early, stay late, hang around, and let church be church. Now here's, here's the next thing. Uh, Invite other people to your C2 group. Now, we have the Hazeldale campus and we have the Jefferson Street campus and Jim and I are always talking about this. We, we don't want to grow the Jefferson Street campus by inviting people from the Hazeldale campus to go there. We don't want to grow the Hazeldale campus by trying to get people out of there to come here. Uh, we want people to go where they want to go, where they feel led to go. And we want to reach out to unchurched people. Amen? Amen? And the same thing in C2 groups. 
This is one of these comfort zones. That's a dangerous comfort zone. When a C2 group gets so comfortable being together that they can't imagine splitting that group or bringing other people into the group. That's when a C2 group becomes an ingrown toenail. That's when it becomes, instead of being the healthy thing we want it to be, it becomes unhealthy. Because why? It stagnates growing leadership. It stagnates good leadership because other people can't join in and be under good leadership. It stagnates health of the church where people can't come and find a place of connection. The reason we stopped doing Sunday night church every Sunday night was to give time and room for people to get into small groups where they can find practical life ministry together in small groups. And so one of the important things to have happen is for group members to invite people to come to their small group. So if you invite somebody to a small group and say, well, I'm already going to another small group, just say, great, I just want to make sure you're going someplace. But if they say, nah, you know, that small group thing, that's really a little uncomfortable. Hey, come to ours. Come try ours out. I'll make sure you're comfortable. Because what you want, that we, what we want to do is we want, we want that connection to happen. We sit here on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, and you can sit here and the most you can, may know about each other is, you know, whether we're losing our hair in the back or not. <laughs> you get in a small group, you begin to talk, you begin to get comfortable. You can share Christ is going on in your family. You can share prayer needs. You're going through a, a time and people will naturally begin to take care of that need. You can begin to talk about practical application of ministry. It's where the church really becomes alive. And so I want to encourage all of you, don't, don't shut your small group off. Keep an open door for new people to come in, fill your house up so much that a leader has to rise up and they have to take some people someplace else. I've had, I've had a few groups over the years say, well, we're going we're to move the church because our group's getting so big. And, and I'm, I'm just about the point of saying, no, we're not going to do that anymore. You know, may, maybe for a special occasion or something. Why? Because it, we're not just looking for groups to get big. We're looking for there to be many groups where everybody can participate. If the group gets too big, what happens? Participation stops. Just a few people do it. But when the group is small and a little more intimate, there can, there can be discussion. There can be, uh, there, there can be a, a comfort of sharing life. And so I just want to encourage you. You want this church to really come alive. Be in a small group and invite people to small groups and let small groups do what they're called to do. You'll meet great people in small groups. You'll, meet, you'll, you'll build great friendships. And then you'll send them off to lead another group. That's the goal, is to fill our community with small groups, caring for each other and ministering to each other. Is this good? All right, all right. Uh, invite others to your small group. Uh, F, and this goes all the way to Z. Uh, be a giver. Giving is a right response to to who we are in Christ. Listen, we've talked about this the last few weeks. Everything we have, we have because of God. 
everything we have, we are a steward of before God. God blesses and loves the cheerful giver. I'm going to close with this tonight. When I was a young kid, I had a, had a been reading my Bible a lot. And through some programs at the church, I really got interested in reading my Bible. And, and I stand out in the entryway one day, and there's a couple of people standing there, an adult and a couple of other kids. And, and uh, I'd never thought about this before. One of them said in, the meet, in, in, our, in our session, in, our, in this discussion, they said, well, God loves everybody just the same. And without even thinking about it, I said, no, he doesn't. And they said, oh, you're wrong. I said, no, I, I don't think he does. I think God loves everybody. God loves everybody. But he doesn't love everybody the same. You can't say that. I said, well, I just did, you know. They said, what makes you say that? I said, well, David was a man after God's own heart. God didn't say about everybody that they were a man after his own heart. He said it about David. John was the beloved disciple. Didn't say that about all the others. Said it about John. There was something about John's relationship with Jesus that really made John special to Jesus. God loves what? A cheerful giver. God said, boy, when I see people giving, I, I just love it when they're generous. That just, that just lights God up. Why? Because he knows we understand that he is the source of all things. He knows that, that we understand that we are a steward of all things. He knows that we, under, that we understand that we are blessed to be a, a blessing. And when we do that rightly, that doesn't mean we take food off of our, our kids' table. It means we use what God's given to us rightly to feed our kids, to clothe our kids, to give house to our kids, but also to be generous with others so that everything that we have uh, belongs to him. Let me just tell you, this, this aspect of stewardship is really important to understand. Why has God given you what he's given you? Why has he made you the way he's made you? Why has he put you where he's put you? Why has he given you the job he's given you? Why has he blessed you in the neighborhood he's put you in? Why has he given you the resources he's given you? Why has he given you the talents that he's given you? Why has he given, given them to you? I am absolutely convinced there's great singers that, that, that have just hit the top of the charts and made a lot of money and they're going to stand before God and God's going to look at them and say, I gave you that voice to glorify me and you glorified sex. You glorified yourself. You were not a steward of what I gave you. And there's going to be other people that could barely carry a tune but sang for God's glory. God's going to say, I didn't give you much. But man, <laughs> you generously shared it with everybody else. And they were blessed by it. My grandfather at his funeral, uh, the guy got up. My, gra my grandfather would sing, but he, he, he wasn't a great singer. And one of the guys that got up and talked to my grandfather's funeral said, you know what? He didn't have a voice, but he had a song. And we all loved to hear him sing. Why? Because it was a song within him. It was living within him.
So here's what I tell folks. Listen, if you've got a car that's too nice to pick people up and bring them to church, sell it and get a bad car. (laughs) If your home's so nice you can't have people into it because you're afraid of what they're going to do, you know, they might bring kids into it and they might track something in the house, you know, sell it and get a lesser house. Use the resources God's given you. If he's given you an ability, how are you using it for the kingdom? How are you using it to advance the kingdom? All the, you're sitting here, every one of you are gifted, and God's wanting to release those gifts. He wants to release those resources that he's poured into you into a dark world so that his light will shine. Amen? And so the question that I've got to ask myself, God, why'd you give me the talents you've given me? Why'd you give me the relationships you've given me? Why'd you give me the resources you've given me? Why is all this in my hands? Guarantee you, you're going to answer to God for it someday. The things he's put in your hands, you're going to stand before him. And I don't know about you, but when I stand before him, I want to be able to say, God, Every way I knew how to use it, every way I knew how to use it, I did, and you dropped a few into my mind that I didn't know.